together we're reading out of the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 89, verses 20 and 21. Then we're going to jump over to 2 Chronicles and read a portion of a passage from there. Let's read. I have made discovery of David my servant. Let's start again. I have made discovery of David my servant. I have put my holy oil on his head. My hand will be his support. My arm will give him strength. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, the first part of that verse says, For the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect toward him so that he can show his great power in helping them. How many of you can testify he has helped me? I can't even begin to tell him and describe. Come on, celebrate him today for his amazing, great arm of help and strength. Take your seats, please. I have made, verse 20 of Psalm 89, I have made discovery of David, my servant, I have made discovery of David, my servant. And then from Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people, looking for people. Perhaps you've never realized before, but our God is a discovering God. (laughs) One who makes discoveries. How can it be that the creator of everything is also a discoverer? Come on, let's just track with me for a few moments. How can it be that the creator of everything is also a discoverer? What is there for him to discover? He made it all. Well, the psalmist in Psalm 89 tells us that God discovered among the people a servant whom he took, he anointed, and he made him ruler over the nation. And we know that that servant was David. David was found among the sheepfolds in very humble beginnings, and he was to become Israel's greatest king. In fact, the prophet Samuel told Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. Now from Chronicles that we read together, we learned that God searches across the entire earth looking for people. I love that phrase, especially today on Mission Sunday, looking for people. God searches throughout the entire earth looking for people. He's looking for people whose hearts are perfect, whose hearts are upright before him. Now this is so important especially for us to consider today on Mission Sunday. This is what the world is waiting to hear, and this is why we must tell them, because God is searching among every tribe, among every tongue, kindred, and nation, seeking to discover 
an individual with an upright heart. Well, in order for a person to have an upright heart, the gospel has to be preached to them. God is searching throughout the entire earth in expectation that we, his people, are doing our work, that we, are, we his people, are, are, are taking responsibility to go to every place to share this great story and this great gospel, to see hearts made upright, to see hearts, to see lives changed and people delivered. And as we, the church, involve ourselves in bringing the answer to every individual to receive an upright heart, then God's search is over. Come on. And the answer is Jesus. Just as we sang, Jesus, shout that name. Jesus in the streets, everywhere, we proclaim. Because when a person receives Christ, Jesus, into their heart as their Savior and their Lord, their heart is made upright. And that's what God is searching for throughout the entire earth. That's why we as people must never slacken. We must never back off. Having a heart that goes after God's heart, this is what is so incredibly important. And this is why when God discovered David, when God discovered David, a man who had a heart after God's heart, God said, my hand will be his support. My arm will be his strength. And today, listen everybody, he says the same to the one he discovers with an upright heart towards him, I will show my great power in helping you. I will show my great hand of support. I will show my great strength in helping you. Today we continue with our series, part four of Discovery. Our theme for 2022 is discovery. Discovery. We serve a discovering God. That's amazing. I made discovery of David, a man with an upright heart whose heart was after me. We owe so much to so many today who throughout ages past have spent their entire lives making sacrifices, unbelievable sacrifices in researching and ultimately making discoveries that have impacted, transformed, and advanced innumerable generations. We owe so much to so many who have dedicated themselves, given themselves in hundreds and thousands of various fields, researching and giving their entire lives to discovery, bringing advancement to innumerable generations making unbelievable sacrifices. For example, I read this week that as a young researcher, Isaac Newton, he believed that discovery wasn't just found by reading textbooks, but rather it was made through individual observation. This was his mantra, as it were, for his life, that it wasn't just textbook study, but it was made through individual observation, trial, and full-on commitment to test, 
the untested, to try the untried, and to explore the unknown. And he was radically committed. One time because of his passionate interest in optics, Newton stuck a blunt needle into his eye socket because he wanted to see. (laughs) That's what it said. He wanted to see what the effect was. So he stuck a blunt needle into his eye socket just to find out what would happen. Come on, you're seated here today wearing a nice pair of glasses if you wear one because somebody... Come on, we owe so much to so many people. Fortunately, the report said, fortunately, his eye recovered. Discoverers will tell you that it's the all-consuming hunger to learn the why. Now listen, they will tell you that it's the all-consuming hunger to learn the why, the why that keeps them going. One researcher said it this way, nearly every great discovery has come as the result of providing a new question rather than a new answer. Look at that. Nearly every great discovery has come as the result of providing a new question. Hunger to know the why rather than a new answer. Today we want to return to Gideon. And we want to learn a final lesson on the first subject that we have been considering, discovering in our discovery series. And we're We're going to finish up with Gideon today on discovering your potential. Discovering your potential. I pray this has been a tremendous help to us and that you're going to go places this year in an amazing and an amazing way. New levels, there's so much inside of you and I'm praying that it's going to be unleashed this year. Come on, that you're taking what we've been sharing and putting it into your lives. And come on, from last week, breaking off that old, breaking that nature, the old nature. Come on, in Jesus' name. You know, Gideon provides us with one of the greatest Old Testament examples of discovering our potential. His considerable capabilities were largely hidden, mainly behind a sense of personal inadequacy. He had such giftedness and abilities and hidden talents and hidden abilities that were hidden behind this personal inadequacy and doubt that God could or that God would do anything about his situation. And Gideon, everything was about to change or everything changed for Gideon because Gideon went through the process. Gideon allowed himself to be taken through the process. And he came out as one of Israel's greatest judges of the 12 judges during that time of Israel's history. Gideon impacted his generation and generations to come. In chapter 7, Gideon and his 300 men utilize a most unique military strategy, throwing the enemy, the Midianites who had been camping in the land and causing havoc for seven years, destroying all the crops, 
a most interesting and unique military strategy was utilized and it threw the enemy into confusion and it resulted in the great in a great number of the enemy turning on themselves and killing one another but the scriptures say that others escaped so Gideon and his men gave chase and while he's chasing them he calls Gideon calls for some help by inviting the Ephraimites. He asked the tribe of Ephraim to go after two Midianite officers, two princes actually, called Oreb and Zeb. Oreb and Zeb, those guys just sound bad, don't they? Oreb and Zeb. And, uh, and he, he invited the Ephraimites Please come and assist us. God had given them a tremendous victory, and, and most of the Midianites had destroyed themselves. There, however, there were, there were some princes that escaped. There were some soldiers that escaped. So Gideon and his 300 men are giving chase, and while they're on the chase and going after these guys, they invite the tribe of Ephraim to come and, and help them and to take, these two, take out these two officers or these two princes and to secure that area of the Jordan River. So the Ephraimites brought the heads of the two men to Gideon, but they were very upset with him. And the moment the Ephraimites saw Gideon, they let him have it. And that's where we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 8, verse 1. Then the Ephraimite said to him, Gideon, why did you offend us this way by not calling us when you went to fight the Midianites. And they argued with him fiercely, but he said to them, what have I done now compared to you? Aren't Ephraim's leftovers better than Abizer's main harvest? God handed you the Midianite officers, Oreb and Zeb. What have I been able to do compared to you? When he said this, their anger against him passed. Then Gideon came to the Jordan. As he and the 300 men were with him crossed over, they were exhausted but still giving chase. So Gideon said to the people of Succoth, please give us some loaves of bread to those who are on foot because they're exhausted. But I'm chasing Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. But the officials of Succoth replied, haven't you already almost gotten your hands on Zeba and Zalmunna? Why should we give food to your army now? From there he went up to Penuel and made the same request. And the people of Penuel responded in the same way the people of Sukkoth had. Now there is contained within these passages the most amazing key to discovering your potential. And we're going to dig it out. Come on. Notice verse 1. Why did you offend us? Why did you offend us? Gideon, when you went and surrounded that, the Midianites, and you took your sword, and you took your, your pitchers or jars, and you took the lamps and all, why weren't we called? Why are you offending us this way by not calling us when you went 
to fight the Midianites. Notice the word offend. We're going to learn something right here. No sooner has the greater victory been gained than Gideon is faced with an offended tribe. Not just a few people. Not just a few men. The entire tribe of Ephraim is offended. And how does Gideon respond? Now this is a man who just days earlier suffered from a deep sense of personal inadequacy. This is a man who just days earlier struggled with his self-perceived inabilities. He's struggling with doubts and fears. But he begins to conciliate this angry tribe. And he gives no place to their offense. He did not allow their offense to take him off the chase, to stop him from pursuing and annihilating the remaining enemy forces. To discover your potential, number five, brush off offense and keep pursuing. Brush off offense and keep pursuing. This is a great lesson we learned from Gideon's life. A man who reached his potential and was able to deliver the entire nation from the Midianites. And there were some others, I think, thrown up in there as well. And he, he delivered the entire nation and through his leadership was able to bring the nation back to God. And, and here we see he... He, he, a great key in the discovery he made of the strength that he already had because the angel said to him, go in the strength you have. The angel saw what Gideon did not see. Go in the strength you have. And goodness, God used him powerfully. And the great key, one of the great keys to Gideon's life was he would not allow offense, offense to slow him down. Listen, church, offense has the potential. It has the potential. Uh, do you know offense has potential? Offense has potential to paralyze you. Offense has the potential to paralyze us, to stop us dead in our tracks. Offense is a thief. Of potential. Offense is a thief. It will rob you of your potential. It has been said offense as an, is an event. Offended is a choice. It's been said that offense is an event. Offended is a choice. Gideon was presented with a choice. Not just once. But as we're going to see in just a moment, three times, on the heels of his victory. I mean, on the moment he had his, the most incredible breakthrough, people got upset. People got offended. And had Gideon 
allowed himself to receive that offense or to take that offense, it would have, it would have paralyzed him. It would have stopped him because the, he had, he, there were kings out there. The kings of Midian. He had already had this, this, the Ephraim tribe, the Ephraimites, deal with two princes. Now he's going after kings. And they're still out there. And now he's having to deal with offense. But Gideon would not allow the offense of the Ephraimites to rob him of his potential to finish strong, completing the assignment that he had been given by God. It would have been so easy for Gideon to crawl back into his shell to allow the old feelings of inadequacy and the old feelings of of his inabilities and the old doubts to, to, to come back into his mind. It would have been so easy at that point of victory, at that point of of, of breakthrough for suddenly him to crawl back into what he had broken free from. But Gideon displayed a leadership quality. He displayed a great leadership quality right here. And that is the wisdom to know when to fight and when to conciliate. This is the leadership quality he displayed. The wisdom to know when to fight and when to conciliate. Now, what do we mean by conciliate? Conciliate, here's what that word means. It means to overcome distrust distrust or hostility, displaying a heart for reconciliation. To overcome distrust, distrust or hostility by displaying a heart for reconciliation. Here we see Gideon's heart. Now, Listen carefully, as we read earlier, the eyes of the Lord searched to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is upright. Gideon's heart was a heart to reconcile with his brothers. This is a moment of great victory. This is a moment that the nation has waited for for seven years. This is a moment when Every, that everyone's cried out for. This is, the, this is the time where everything has come together and, and right at, the, at the, that moment, this, we see this ugly head of offense rise up. But Gideon kept his heart right. Gideon kept his heart tender. And, and he had a heart to reconcile that's why he humbled himself and he began, to, he began to celebrate the offended individual. He began to, and people, he began to tell them that, man, your harvest, your harvest is so much greater than ours. You know, that's the first thing he said. He said, your leftovers are better than a visor's. That's where Gideon was from. That's Gideon's home, to, home area. And, and so Gideon said, your harvest is, you, your leftovers from your harvest is, is greater than our main harvest. And he's starting, to, he's starting to use wisdom here to, you know, get these guys to start thinking about 
you know, their blessings and, 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 and start thinking about. And then he, he talks about, you know, God's handed you over. The Midianite officers, Oreb and Zeb, man, what have I done that's compared to that? You've taken out two princes. I'm still going after kings. I haven't gotten them yet. You've already got the princes. And these guys start feeling a little, a little nice, you know? And they start cooling down. They start calming down. In fact, the message translation said they calmed right down. I love that. And, and, and so he's, he's just using much wisdom here, but he's doing it out of a heart. He's doing it from the heart. And this is so, this is the key in, in, in winning over an offended person is, you know, so many times we want to engage offense with our head. And, and, uh, and, but it's, it's, it's an issue of the heart. And so because he had that heart, he was able to brush it off. He didn't take the bait. John Bevere has written a book called Offense, The Bait of Satan. And, and he didn't take the bait. Gideon, Gideon was, was very wise. He had a heart to reconcile and that's why he was able to put the men of Ephraim first to build them up, to celebrate their accomplishments as being greater than his. They're in an offended state and they're on, they're on tunnel vision. They've got one thing in their mind and that is they're going to really, really let Gideon have it. But Gideon was able to help them see the big picture. Gideon was able to help them see their value. He was able to help them see what they've been able to accomplish. So good. Let's follow his lead. Because when we fail to display such a heart, we're going to struggle brushing off the offense and we can easily end up fighting. And you know, that's... This is the thing that we're not meant to fight each other. Gideon was not meant to fight Ephraim. Ephraim was one of the tribes of, of Israel. Gideon had the battle still on. He was still going after the Midianites. But here's the opportunity based because of offense. If, we're, if he's not careful, he could fall into into captivity where he is now arguing and fighting. Someone said your wounds will either become walls of offense or windows of revelation depending on how you respond. Your wounds will either become walls of offense or windows of revelation depending on how you respond. And this is, our, this is a great key for discovering our potential. How many people in God's house today are offended and they're paralyzed and, and, and they're struggling with offense and they're struggling to reach their potential to come to the fullness. Now, no sooner has Gideon dealt with an offended tribe, he now faces 
two communities of people. <laughs> In fact, th these were cities. He went down to, it says the people of Succoth. Actually, it was a city. And then he went to Penuel, which was a second city. And he's facing these communities of people, and they refuse to honor his simple request. He's requesting bread to help us. We're exhausted. We've been chasing these guys. So he deals with the offense of Ephraim. Now he goes to Succoth. Now he goes to Penuel. And they're hungry. They're tired. I mean, the nation's waited all these years for deliverance. Deliverance has come. Listen. But the moment that Gideon asked for bread, the answer they gave, the answer that was spoken is so intimidating. It's so... It's such a hard answer. In essence, they're saying, why should we give you bread? Because you haven't yet gotten these kings. You haven't yet completed the job. Finish the task, Gideon, and then come back, and we, we'll, we'll get you some bread. And these men, their tongues are hanging out. They're exhausted. And this is another opportunity for Gideon to let offense dictate him and to stop his cause. He realized that he was going to need to, he was going to need to bring some discipline to these, to these uh, cities, which he did. But at that moment, he's not going to stop and take the bait. Listen carefully. As I began to study this, I came to learn why these men answered Gideon the way they did. They were not against Gideon. They were, these two cities, these people of Succoth and Penuel, they were not against Gideon. They were, they were so, they were so grateful that Gideon had been raised up to bring deliverance to the nation. Why then did they answer the way they answered? And as I began to study, I, I found out that these areas, Succoth and Penuel, were extremely enriched areas. And the Midianites had really hovered and had really kind of set up their main headquarters, as it were, in these areas. And so these were Midianite strongholds. Now listen, this was an area of the country that had been under intense Midianite control. So the underlying reason that they refused to give Gideon bread was fear. They were fearful of reprisal by the Midianites. They were fearful that the Midianites, if the Midianites who were still remaining, there were kings out there, so there's some power out there, and if they realized that we have helped Gideon, the Midianites, we're afraid they're going to come back and deal with us. So when Gideon heard their answer, guess what? 
he recognized that fear. Oh, now you got to hear me. As we finish today, Gideon recognized that these men had been fearful, that they were full of fear. They were, they were fearful in the same way that Gideon had been fearful. That was his exact struggle from which he had been free. So he understood and he realized No doubt, he recognized their fear as the exact struggle. And this is why the offense did not stick on Gideon. And this is why Gideon was able to brush it off and to keep pursuing. He said, guys, I've been there. I understand. I see what you're dealing with. I'm going to come back and we're going to deal with this. But for right now, I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to let this thing stick because you're afraid. You're, 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 You're afraid like I once was, but there is deliverance in God. And I'm not going to give in to that fear and allow that fear to rob me of completing what I know I need to finish. Woo! Oh yeah, church. How often do we take offense personally when there's really something else behind it all that's driving the person to take the action or to say what they've said. How many times do we take offense personally when if we'll just stop for just a second, there's really something else behind it. There's really something else that is driving the person to take the action that they have taken or to say what they've said. Most often, Words are the, are the greatest channel of offense. Words. I want to read Matthew chapter 13 and verse 54. Jesus returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was astonished and said, where does he get his wisdom and his miracles? He's just a carpenter's son and we know Mary. His mother and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. What makes him so great? And they were deeply offended. And they refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there only a few miracles there because of their own unbelief this is amazing to me Jesus did not allow their offense to stop him from displaying his heart for hurting people Jesus at least did a few miracles there but their offense was founded on unbelief so Jesus did not stay there. He continued his mission. Come on, church. Now listen. Why didn't Jesus stay in Nazareth? I'll answer that. If Jesus had stayed in Nazareth, he would have been blessing people where there was no desire for blessing. If Jesus had stayed in Nazareth, he would be filling needs where there was no consciousness of need. 
if Jesus had stayed in Nazareth, he would be healing people who would have resented being told they were sick. Come on, church. Come on, everybody. There's a world out there that's waiting. Come on, everybody. There are people who desperately need Jesus. Come on, everybody. We don't have time to be offended. Come on, Nairobi Lighthouse Church. Let's brush it off. Come on, let's stay the course. Let's stay committed to the cause. Let's stay committed to taking this light of Jesus in every place. Come on, everybody. Brush it off. You're bigger than this. God is bigger than this. God is greater than that which has paralyzed you and held you back. Today, forgive. Today, ask God for the grace to forgive. Today, ask God for the grace to release. Come on, there's so much still within you, but you're being paralyzed. You're being held back because you're holding some offense. Somebody said something. Somebody did something. And you're offended today. Come on, we're going to discover the fullness of our potential and we're going to be delivered and set free. In Jesus' name. Come on, you need strength right now. God says He's going to strengthen you. Strengthen you. God says to the heart that is upright, He will strengthen and He will help you. You say, Pastor, I need help right now with this offense. Come on, lift it up before God right now. I want us to pray. I want us to join in prayer together. Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, you need the strength of God right now to release, to forgive, to set someone free. Father, we thank you right now. Yes, that's right. That's right. Just hands up before God. Come on, let's do business with God in these moments. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor, Father, for your faithfulness. And Lord, in Jesus' name, we claim your help. We ask for your help. The power of the Holy Spirit to break off this resentment. The power of the Holy Spirit to help me release this individual that's held. I'm holding offense. Lord, they're offended at me. God, this, this issue of offense, we pray today in Jesus' name that God, you will give us the strength to brush it off and to keep pursuing your plan and your purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen, Nairobi Lighthouse Church. Oh yeah, celebrate freedom. Celebrate deliverance today. Come on, can we give Jesus one more great ovation of praise today? <laughs> yeah. God bless you. Have an amazing week.